Cashflow Diary Podcast, episode 99. Congratulations, you showed up. Give yourself a high five in celebration of your success. Welcome to the Cashflow Diary, where new and experienced investors come to take confident action towards their goals. Your host is a family man, a real estate entrepreneur, investor, coach, and instructor. As a master facilitator of Robert Kiyosaki's Cashflow 101 game, He's inspired many to begin their journey into creating cash flow for themselves and their family. And now, here he is to offer you the tools required to earn the income desired. Your cash flow coach, Jay Massey. All right, and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Diary Podcast. I am your host and excited to talk about a favorite subject of mine and uh, probably yours too. Well, money. <laughs> That's what we're going to talk about today for sure. But for those of you joining us for the first time, here's what I want you to do. Go over to learninvestingnow.com. Uh, we've got some information there for you. In fact, it's something that you can't even buy. That's just how valuable it is. I won't let you buy it. The only way to go get it is to go over to learninvestingnow.com. Many people ask me all the time, Jay, what should I watch out for when I'm buying property? It's called a due diligence checklist, people, but it we're talking super thick. If you want to know how I've been able to go out there and weed out the studs from the duds and make really good, excellent real estate decisions. It comes down to due diligence. And that's one of the many things you'll get along with some additional information in tune with helping you build your cash flow. Today's guest, I I know, knows a lot about cash flow. Uh, I know he knows a lot about working and helping people build their cash flow because he and I have something in common. We 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 call ourselves, if you could say, recovering financial planners in various different forms. Uh, but yet, there's still elements of that whole financial planning concept that makes so much sense today. And we're going to talk a lot about that. We're going to talk about some names that you definitely have heard of. And most importantly, we're going to give you some direction on some of the things that you can do to make sure that you stay in the know, that you are in the right mindset as you go out there to build your cash flow. Today's guest, Joel Saul Seahigh, actually has a podcast himself, Stacking Benjamins. Love the name. So if you haven't heard it, go get it. He has been a financial planner for 16 years. I don't know how he did it, but he did. And then eventually he said, enough of this. And he wanted to go find out what was next. And he spent nine years uh, working on on TV as the uh, money man, as they called him. I thought that was pretty interesting. And he's been quoted in publications ranging from the LA Times, Baltimore Sun, Chicago Sun Times, Wall Street Journal, and Best Life Magazine. That's code for he knows what he's talking about. And what's really interesting is that now he's dedicated this time with you and I to help you and I gain a better understanding of personal finance. Help me welcome Mr. Joel Saul Seahide. Joel? What's happening, Jay? Uh, I'm having fun. And you? I, I'm ready to have a great time. I, I love being on this show. I always thought that this, this is the pinnacle of my career, being here right now. Oh, God. Please aim higher. <laughs> but I appreciate that for sure. I appreciate that for sure. Now, for the for the, you know, six people who might not know who you are already, one of the things that I always like to know is I like to know where people come from in terms of their background. Cause I truly believe how we grew up, what uh, our beginnings were have a lot to do with who we are today and how we look at the world. Um, that's not to say you can't change, 
But I'm always interested in understanding where people start, you know, because today's entrepreneurs are like yesterday's superheroes and they all have an origin story. So uh, share, if you will, a little bit with us about your journey before you were on TV, before you were quoted by newspapers, before all of this. Who who, who was Joe? Well, I, w- I was a guy, Jay, that like I'm sure a lot of your listeners and like I've heard you talk about with yourself. I'm a guy that really struggled with money. I came from a family. Uh, that knew a lot about how to make money, but not a lot about how to keep money. Mm. To use Robert Kiyosaki Kiyosaki language, they knew the rat race, right? I make more money, I buy more debt, I buy more things, and I never have any savings. And that's not to say that my parents are bad people. My parents are great people. They just had nobody teach them, and I had nobody teach me. So when I got out of college, I immediately, well, not even that far along, Jay, listen to this. I'm a freshman in college, and there's a, at the student union, there's this table for American Express. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm at a military college called the Citadel, the, the, the military college of South Carolina. So I don't have the opportunity to have a job. I can't make any money. And I go up to the table and I'm so excited because they tell me that I can get a credit card. And so I fill out the thing and guess what came in the mail like two and a half weeks later? My mm. very own American Express card. Yes. Yeah. So, which was cool, Jay, because uh, that means if you follow that logically, that I didn't have any way to pay the bill. That I, of course, took all my friends out to dinner. I uh, bought myself a sweater. I'm in a military college; I have to wear a uniform. Where the heck am I going to wear a sweater? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. But it was a sweet sweater, and the, and uh, so within two months, my credit was completely ruined, and I, it was a downhill slide from there all the way all the way through college. So um, what was funny was, though, I always had this entrepreneur mentality. And I think it was I watched my dad work very hard for somebody else, and I didn't want to work for somebody else. So a friend of mine called me one day, and he said, and this is the quote where I became a financial advisor. He said, we normally don't hire people like you, <laughs> which, which is great. He said, but but I think you'd be really good at this. And it's because of the fact that uh, I'm from farm country. I had no idea what an engineer was. I thought an engineer was a guy that, who drove the train, but I have very much of an engineer uh, mentality of I want to know how stuff works. And I was always fascinated by how money works. And that's why for many years, uh, you know, I was a financial planner. And every time I didn't know how something worked, I found out and I wanted to know every single little thing about how money worked and slowly, uh, slowly got out of, you know, not only got out of debt, but started building assets, figured out uh, a lot about just the basics of how money worked as a financial planner. Nice. And eventually the sun rose and the sky opened up and everything was perfect, right? Well, in in some ways it was. I I built, <laughs> I built my business not to a monster huge business. I built it to a, a spot where I was managing sixty million dollars, uh, which is a nice size financial planning company. And in two thousand eight, I got this letter from a good friend of mine who was working in management at a financial company, and he said, "I'm leaving this because of the fact that I work sixteen hours a day and." I don't know what I really want to do with my life and I'm getting too old. So I'm going to just go do something else. I'm not going to leave for another firm, which is what a lot of people do in that industry. As you know, Jay, people just skip from firm to firm. He wasn't doing that. He said, I I just need to figure out what I want to do with my life. And it was funny because 16 years in, I love my clients. I liked what I do. I liked what I do. I didn't love what I did. And 16 years into it, I said, you know, I think I want to sell my company. I have enough money to go off and figure out what I want to do with the rest of my life. So I decided to become a teacher. 
and uh, started taking teaching classes. And in those classes, I figured out, and and God bless all the teachers listening to your show, Jay, (laughs) because it is awesome what they do. But the main thing I learned in my teaching classes was I was going to spend a lot of time fighting to teach. I was going to have to just check the boxes so my kids could take some tests. And uh, I wasn't interested in that. So I was more interested in working for myself. So that's when the Stacking Benjamins empire was born. You know, uh, what's really interesting about that is I, I feel the exact same way. And I still think you, you know, you are still a teacher. Uh, we just had to teach in a different capacity than the, we'll say, the approved path or the traditionally approved path, simply because what it is that needs to be taught isn't being taught in the way that we would want to teach it. So therefore, <laughs> being the rebels and mavericks that we are, we just said, uh, I'll do it my own way. <laughs> because, because they don't hire people like us. That's really what that is. <laughs> That's so now you said something that I think is interesting that I'm sure at least one person said to themselves. You said, that I came from a family that was good at making money, but they didn't know how to keep it. Uh, now, at this stage, what would you say are, are the top three things required in order? What are the skill sets necessary in order to hold on to it and to keep it? Boy, the first thing is to realize, and, and you know, this is a big this this is a thing that we've all heard a hundred times, and it's such a groaner that we don't follow it, uh, and that is to pay yourself first. Pay yourself first sounds very obvious, but realize that realize that paying yourself, Jay, and paying your checking account are two totally different things. So let me let me actually give you give everybody a cool little hack uh, that I used with clients that couldn't save. Instead of direct people that have direct deposit, people that work for somebody else and they have direct deposit, don't direct deposit into your checking account. Because what happens when your money goes in your checking account? It all goes in. It checks and then out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So what I'd have my clients do is set up a separate savings account that's hard to get to, right? And in some cases, like my practice was in Detroit, we'd set up these savings accounts in Minneapolis and we would not have, we had no way to get that money except to have this drip automatic plan that came over where from their original savings, th- that savings then paid them. So they they put themselves on a paycheck that was different than what the man paid them, which I think was one of the original ahas that I, I am not my paycheck, right? I get paid and then I decide what to do with that money. And a great way to do that is set up the savings account, direct deposit there, then have an automatic transfer of whatever you need for your bills into a separate checking account and money automatically started growing in that savings. And it worked. It worked nearly every time. <laughs> nearly every time. I like it. It's not foolproof, <laughs> uh, but it's close. It's close. Okay, what else? Right. Well, well, then a second one is is that you have to be responsible for your career. My, I believe this management guru, Tom Peters, that nobody's, if, if you're waiting for a boss to take care of you, if you're waiting for somebody else to give you a raise, I think you're, I think you're doing it wrong. You have to be in full control of your destiny. I mean, I don't want to sound too, too, uh, Tony Robbinsy, you know, <laughs> uh, but, 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 but he's right. You have to make decisions about your own life. You can't wait for somebody else to make decisions for you. The day that I decided to create stacking Benjamins, I mean, was a, was, was a great day and that opened up a path, but I'll, I'll tell you something for the six months before that, when I was thinking about it, I wish I had that time back. I wish that I could have started six months earlier. I can't think of anybody who had 
an awesome idea that said, you know, I wish I would have waited longer on that. (laughs) Right. I, I, uh, you, you, I was saying that to myself today. Uh, it's like, okay, cool. Uh, I know. Cause I said to myself, I was like, all right, look, Jay, you, you got to get this done because you know, six from six months from now, you're going to wish you had started today. And, and that is so incredibly true that is so incredibly true okay so we've got two things first pay yourself first and i think we we found a very practical way of making that happen claiming responsibility which i absolutely love in fact i'm even going to go further and say that the more responsibility you claim not only for your career but for your money the more rewards there that exist uh because many people complain about things like um you know uh uh, entrepreneurs receiving credits you know for jobs and housing well it's because we're the ones providing the jobs and housing. That's what we get the privilege of doing. If you provide a job, you get a benefit for it. If you provide housing, you get a benefit for it. If you provide food and energy, you get benefits for that too. So what's number three? Number three for me is, and, and I got this actually recently. I would have had a different number three before, but but I, I read this book that a lot of people told me to read called The Lean Startup. You familiar with The Lean Startup by okay, Eric? This, that's his, this is coming into my life again. I've heard it before. Keep going. <laughs> Well, it's kind of a dry book. So, so I did the audio book and luckily somebody told me to just do the audio book. And I did that, which is great because it is a little dry, but I love the main point that most of us wait for it to be perfect before we launch, right? We want to know everything. And I'm, like I said earlier, Jay, I've got this engineer mentality. I want to know everything and I don't like it when I don't know everything. (laughs) So, so, and, and I think a lot of us are built that way. So we wait and we wait and we wait. Eric Reese in this book, his big main point is pull the trigger, you know, get it out there, realize it's out there in an imperfect way and work your butt off to make improvements constantly to build that product, but get the product out there. Uh, I did that with, with my podcast. Um, you know, the podcast, we started up the podcast and all we knew how to do was talk on a microphone and (laughs) now many, many, many episodes later, now I get what all this, you know, all these connections are and all the stuff that you have to do to make a decent podcast. So, but, but, but I'd say, get it out there, pull the trigger now would be my third piece of advice. You know, I, I can't agree more with that. In fact, I drive people nuts with that one. Um, and, and as far as the podcast goes, I often, when someone contacts me and say, yeah, I just spent, you know, the last X number of weeks or days or whatever, listening to all your podcasts, I was like, Oh God, I hope they missed the first like 30 <laughs> Um, but because it was, it was trial by fire and, you know, we're we're still working on things and trying to improve and make things better. But it, 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 you were so right. You know how many months I was stressing over, okay, should I do the podcast? Is anyone going to listen? Why on earth am I going to even put my voice and record it? Uh, on there. And all of those things went through my head. I know that for sure. And they go through all of our heads when we have those insecurities about doing something we consider to be great, whether that's you're a great teacher, whether you're trying to start a business, whether you're trying to, you know, uh, build cash flow with real estate, it doesn't really matter. Uh, and, and there's probably some people going through it right now, because I'm sure you this isn't the first time that they've heard hey, pay yourself first. And they're like, ah, oh, great. I was hoping for some super secret personal hack that I had never heard before. And now they've got to deal with the fact that, okay, is it really that simple? So let me ask you, is it really that simple, Joe? It is that simple. I agree with a guy named David Chilton, who's a Canadian financial advisor. Uh, he had a He has a series of books that are the Wealthy Barber series. And uh, David Chilton says, if your financial plan won't fit on a napkin, 
you're doing it wrong. And you got these financial advisors. You know this, Jay, from oh. your former days as a financial advisor. You, the, the key thing a financial advisor will try to sell you is that you won't understand it, right? Uh. This is way too complex. Let uh. me handle it. You won't understand it. If you're, I have nothing, I have nothing bad to say about people hiring advisors. I have advisors. I have coaches. You should hire advisors if you're going to go anywhere. Otherwise you've just got your two hands. But if an advisor ever tells you that you can't understand it and it's way too complex, you got to get the heck away from them. You got the wrong person. That was actually one of the things that drove me nuts about the industry. And I spent most of my time as a financial planner just explaining to people in simple terms how easy this was to understand. And an annuity isn't like overly complicated, people. (laughs) You know, neither is life insurance or all these other things. Now, I and that was the the thing that I, I saw a lot was, that people would make up, or at least I, it felt like making up. They'd make up very long words to explain something that's really, really simple. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, that's what that means. And you, and once you understand the language, everything else became very, very clear for me. Yeah, it's like ride the bike. You get the jargon of any industry, right? I mean, whether you're whether you're doing. Um, uh, uh, MLM or, or, you know, if you're a tax lawyer or whatever it might be, right. uh, once you understand the lingo, uh, the jargon, the way people speak, it's, it's very simple. Indeed. Indeed. So tell, uh, tell me, uh, you, I know that you, you think about three stages and I, I want the people to know about these three stages where they are, because there's definitely, I mean, I, I know for us, you know, there's this, there are three types of customers in general that we tend to serve. There's that person who just wants to do it all themselves and they want to take it on. And then there's the person who wants, you know, us to put it together and then take the property and run with it. And then there are those who says, you know, how about you guys do everything for us? Uh, and, and every sense in the way. And sometimes when talking about money or, you know, finances or things of that nature, you know, occasionally someone listening probably actually enjoys what they do. Uh, but they they don't want to quit, but they still are looking for ways and and how to break down the system and stages of where they are so that they can get ahead. What would you say to that particular individual or individuals? Okay, I'll make this one quick because I know you're eager to get back to this particular interview for sure. What I will say is this: for those of you listening and you're you're in the Long Beach area, I will be speaking this week uh, out in Long Beach as well as San Antonio, Texas. So. Gonna go visit the Spurs, and yes, they are the team to beat, in my opinion, in the NBA, just in case you were wondering. And uh, I'll be out there this weekend, which is going to be great. So uh, if you happen to be in the area, feel free. Send an email over to the office. We'll let you know where that's happening, and you can come on out. It'd be awesome. So it's Long Beach and San Antonio this week, so it's pretty, pretty cool. Anyway, I didn't want to take up too much time. Oh, by the way, yes audiobook is still being worked on. We are weeks away. We are weeks, no more months. Uh, we may even be days, but I'm not going to say days yet, but we're really, really close. Uh, if you haven't gotten your copy reserved yet, you probably want to send a text message over to 949-682-3565. The keyword is audio. So that way you can at least be on the list so that when it does release we'll let you know or if you want to go ahead and get it go over to cashflowdiary.com forward slash book cashflowdiary.com forward slash book be able to pick up your uh copy there now let's get you back to the interview well it's interesting and i'm glad you brought that up jay because i th- i've i've always been frustrated 
uh, with the fact that some people will look at a guy like Dave Ramsey, let's say, or a woman like Susie Orman and say, well, uh, Susie Orman is fantastic or Dave Ramsey's fantastic. And then the person next to him will say, well, Dave Ramsey's horrible or Susie Orman's horrible. <laughs> and they'll get in these fights. And, I, and it always frustrated me as a financial advisor. And then when, it, when I started working in the media, that everybody wanted this soundbite. Dave Ramsey certainly has a soundbite. Susie Orman has a soundbite. But I... I always thought there was a time and a place for each of these people that, 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 that you're going to grow through your gurus, you know, right. so to speak, because like, uh, Dylan Thomas, uh, famously said that you're either growing or you're dying. So my goal should be to outgrow my guru, right? To, right. to, and if, a, and if a guru is good at what they do, you're going to implement everything they do. And then you're ready for the next horizon. So, but, but I never had a simple way to say that. I, I never, and so, <laughs> so it's funny. It was just a few months ago. I was on a run, which is where I do all my deep thinking. And I'm in like mile six in total pain, just hating my run. And it just, it just came to me because I bought this stupid and it's actually kind of neat. It, it, in, I always have wanted to play video games and I never have enough time to play many video games. Right. But, but, but I'm a geek at heart, but I am totally a geek at heart. Like if I, if I didn't, if I was happy just sitting there in front of a computer with, yeah, I would do that. Yeah, oh, Dude, but, you're preaching to the choir on that one. I, it is so, I mean, I, I had to like, I put myself on restriction. I don't allow myself to play video games until like the fourth quarter, like a little bit after my birthday, near the beginning of the year. Yes. And in January, that's you. I disappear because I'm playing a video game. And I know it sounds silly. I like I got my kids looking at me. What's dad doing? Dad's playing a video <laughs> game. But I, I'm with you. I, but go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. My coach has me take one day off a month that is just Joe day. Because uh, I I need it isn't that I deserve that day. If I try to tell myself I deserve that day, I, I you know I, I'll come up with a lot of reasons. It's because I need that day to recharge the battery. So I found this game called called Kerbal Space Program, okay. and the Kerbals are these little green people. And what you're doing, it's a little sandboxy game, Jay. And what you're doing is you're trying to help them get into outer space, and you have all these little pieces. And so luckily, I figured out what a parachute was. Because I loaded my first Kerbal into the, the rocket that I had just built. No idea how to build a rocket. And, uh, of course, the thing goes up about 10 feet and then comes smashing down. But because I had a little parachute, uh, Jebediah, they actually named my guy. My guy's name was Jebediah. Um, and he's got this half-crazed look in his face, which is funny. But, but Jebediah lived. So, so then I start working on my rocket. Well, I'm out on my run. And I'm thinking about how am I going to get my Kerbals into space? And then I started thinking about the Apollo space program, which is interesting because what I read just a few weeks ago, the people that make this Kerbal space program game just partnered with NASA because the stuff that's going through my head at my advanced age is the same thing kids have happened where they really start thinking about space. So NASA has launched onto them. So it's a, it's, nice. it's a quality product, but, but in, in the Apollo mission days, not to make this too long, there were three different stages that a rocket needed to get to outer space. And this is how I got my Kerbals to outer space very happily. <laughs> yes, uh, they, they needed to get there. It was, they important. did. Now, the bad news is, like I said, I don't have I don't have hardly any time to play. I figured out how to get them to outer space. I have no idea how to get to the next thing because that's a whole different set of rules. But yeah, it's okay. Uh, but <laughs> but there's a first stage. The first stage is to lift off, and then there's a second stage that gets you to the edge of the atmosphere, so you can see the whole world, and you're and you're at the edge of the atmosphere, and then you need that third stage to get into outer space and go to the moon, go to Mars, go wherever you're going to go. And all of a sudden, Jay, I realized 
That's the way I feel about financial gurus, that there are different gurus that are great for people at different stages of life. So a guy like Dave Ramsey, Dave Ramsey, what Dave does well is take someone who doesn't have their financial house in order and helps them learn how to clean it up, how to know basic concepts and how to get their debt paid and live a debt free existence for people that, that have always been in over their head and don't understand pay yourself first that complete aversion to leverage and debt, which wealthy people know, by the way, that you know that, or that you may need somebody who's, who's just looking for stage one, Dave Ramsey might be perfect. Right. Susie, or- Susie Orman, who to me, the primary thing that she does for people is teaches a healthy respect for money. But if you don't respect your money, your money won't respect you. She's also stage one. Stage two, where you're out looking out over the whole world, but you're not going to make it to outer space in that second one. These are people like I had somebody who listened to Jay, my interview with you on Stacking Benjamins, which was awesome. And and we were you were talking about real estate and about working for yourself. And she said, you know, I'm a nurse. I love doing what I'm doing. I'm never going to do what Jay does, but I loved his interview because of the fact that it keeps me fresh, keeps my brain running and makes me realize that I can do whatever I want, that I'm in control. For somebody like that who just wants to do a great job working for the man. There's nothing wrong with that. You're not going to make it to outer space, but she didn't want to get to outer space. That right. would be something like a David Bach who teaches very basic financial planning principles. David Chilton, who I told you about earlier, Rick Edelman, who was also a guest on our show. Uh, somebody like that who's teaching the six areas of financial planning, very, very comprehensive planning. I believe that financial planners are great. And when I was a, when I was a financial planner, I was great, Jay, not at helping my clients succeed, but help, helping them not fail. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that that sounded like loaded. Yes, I, I know exactly. There, you know, you got names and faces of these. Yeah, that go through your head. But keep going by all means. Yes. Yeah. So, so when I was a financial planner, I was a fee based financial planner. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So people would, would, would pay me a fee. And then kind of like with you and with your system here, some people would hire us to do everything. Some people just wanted me to write it down what they should do. And there were different fees for those things. But, but for, for somebody that just didn't want to fail, those people wanted to, to, to just get their stage two. Stage three is for people that really want to go into outer space. For those people that want to reach Mars, they want to see new things. The person that's that kind of believes, you know, I can only live one time, so I really want to do as much as I possibly can. And that's not everybody. But for those people, those people have to learn how to create a business, how to work the, the best investments for the tax system. That will be somebody who, it, it, and you'll notice you have you have great gurus in those areas like Jay Massey, who's, <laughs> you know, who's going to teach you that yes, uh, uh, you're going to have to under diversify, you know, right. if, if you take the the terminology if you want to get to Mars. Yep. Now realize it's funny because people will say, well, isn't that risky? Well, yes, but it, but it's a different type of risk. For somebody in stage one, you're never going to get very far. Stage two, you're never going to leave the atmosphere. You're going to be okay. You're just not going to leave the atmosphere. Stage three, you might fail. But like Walt Disney said when they were building Disneyland, his uh, chief his chief engineer said to him uh-huh. the day before they opened, and nobody nobody knew if people were actually going to go to Disneyland. I mean, now we know, but then <laughs> nobody had any clue if, if yeah. 
If I you could know, just get them to work. go back to the pricing back then, that would be good. That would be good. That would be good. <laughs> I'd, I'd invest in that property right now. But the, uh, uh, the chief engineer said, well, what if nobody comes? What if, what if nobody comes? And that's the kind of thing that people investing in stage three say, and you know, what Walt said, Walt said, what's the worst can, that can happen? You'll go bankrupt. I've been break, bankrupt seven times. Big deal. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> we just lost some people right there, Joe, just so you know. So people are just like, oh, my God, I can't take this one anymore. Uh, but, yeah, you do risk failure. But for me, that's where that's where the learning begins. That's where the learning is. That's where you can uh, create uh, something new. I mean, uh, many of the things that we enjoy today, some uh, are were made by, either by mistakes or were some huge failures. I mean, I know it sounds silly, but for those of you who like chocolate chip cookies, understand that that was a mistake. It wasn't intentionally going for chocolate chip cookies. I mean, there are so many stories of of people who were doing those types of things that you know now are commonplace and we're like oh this is the greatest thing ever of course it would have always worked they didn't know at that time but they were willing to feel as uncomfortable as it is i mean i'm sure let me guess when you launched stacking benjamins you knew that the that the, that they were definitely coming to listen right you knew that <laughs> yeah oh yeah absolutely my i knew my mom was coming to listen Oh, right. You were like, I, you, you suddenly want to call mom and say, okay, hey, mom, here's what iTunes is. Here's how to, here's how to, you know, so that way at least you know you got one download. You're like, yes. And tell, and tell everybody, everybody at the bridge club to leave a review. Yeah, please. But, but, <laughs> you know, what's, what's funny though, as you're talking, I think about this great quote that I love by another a real estate flipping guy, uh, Robert Allen. Mm-hmm. Robert Allen has this quote that I've always held near and dear, and that's that in life, there's two doors. One says security and one says opportunity. And the person that chooses the security door gets neither. And, and I, I, to a large degree, I believe that. If you choose security, you're, you can't do that third stage rocket. It's not going to happen. Right. Uh, it, it's not designed to be that way. And that, that was something that I came uh, to a realization to when, what was it? Uh, Robert Kiyosaki wrote a book, uh, Cashflow Quadrant, by far one of the most transformational books in his series of books, in my opinion. Um, and it, it just woke me up uh, to the fact that I had a choice and that I was making choices that were not congruent with who I was and what I needed to be. And my, my wife further confirmed this saying, yeah, you, you were so miserable as an employee. I was like, thanks, honey. Um, you know, so she, she's been very instrumental in helping me continue to make the choice that it, worst case scenario. And she said this a number of times. We, we, we may be at the bottom, but at least we're happy. Uh, and because we're, we're working in an alignment with what it is that we want to see happen and, and we're doing our best to provide value. Uh, for you know, good in the world and all these other things, and and being an example to the kids because that those are the things that are important to us, which I wouldn't be able to do quite honestly when it comes to having to work a set schedule for you know that someone else determines and being told when to go to lunch and how long a vacation actually could be. Uh, there are just so many more opportunities that have been afforded to us uh, by being willing to you know, not have a safety net, if you will, or that perceived sense of security. And that's the thing. Isn't it really just a perceived sense of security in the first place? Absolutely it is. But, you know, as, as my time as a financial 
During my time as a financial advisor, I learned that there's some people that can't do without it. And I understand the people that say, you know what, forget about the safety net, forget the Dave Ramsey piece and go to stage three. And, and I think that there are people who are designed to do that, but I'm also smart enough to know there are some people that just, they can't sleep at night. You know, they can't, they can't. And, and if not, that's okay. Build your, build your perceived safety net first and then, and then let's go, but let's go as soon as possible. Cause we've got to start growing. I agreed. Agreed. And the, the, the fun thing is, is as an entrepreneur is finding out and learning to let those individuals who are that way be, be on your team in such a way as that they can shine and be their biggest and best selves. That's probably one of my greatest joys is when I, when I actually find those rare individuals who actually enjoy doing paperwork and I give them more than enough paperwork to do and they're just like happy with that stuff. I'm just like, wow, I don't understand you, but I'm glad you're happy. I'm like, <laughs> You know, the, it's like I got very lucky with that too. I have a I have an assistant Tina who's just awesome, and luckily, when I uh, stopped being a financial advisor and started up Stacking Benjamins, as soon as we had a little bit of money coming in, the first thing I did was hired her on a part time basis because she knows me. She loves to do all the stuff I don't love to do, and she's that person we're talking about that loves to be an employee. And hey, there's a spot for them too. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let, let's talk about this. I, in, in the journey, because we probably have all three of those individuals, types of individuals who are looking for, you know, the lift off the edge of the atmosphere, ready to get into space. How does one know, in your opinion, where they are and more importantly, when they're ready for the next stage? I think the first thing you have to do is is evaluate your your sense of risk and time, right? Because there's two things that are important in financial planning that I always believed, which was risk tolerance. Now, I look at risk tolerance differently than most people. I believe that if you don't risk enough, you're never going to get anything. I always it always drove me nuts when somebody said they were investing in they were investing in uh, CDs because stocks were too risky, and then wow. we do their we do their financial plan. And we'd find out that they need something like real estate or stocks, one of these higher performing investment types to get where they wanted to go. So they were very safely, Jay, very right. safely, right. not going anywhere, right? So, so for me, it's are you taking enough risk for your goal? So if you start with the goal and work back to risk, that's, 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 that's what we need to do first. Second thing is, is how much time do I have? I don't want to waste time, but I also want to get there as quote safely as possible. So if I can afford to, like as an example, if we take Dave Ramsey's approach of, of no debt, if I can get where I want to go and I can do it with no debt, well, okay, there's faster ways to go, but, but that is certainly safer. So if I can afford to do that, well, then let's go ahead and do it in a more safe manner. If, if I can't afford it, but which by the way is, is the vast majority of people, right. uh, then, then I'm going to have to figure out how leverage works and I'm going to have to figure out how to make leverage as, as, as least risky, less risky as <laughs> however you say that as possible. Right. Right. And, 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 and in that end, knowledge is your best friend because the more I know about leverage and I know how to effectively use leverage, you can then see the huge mistakes people make when they're, you know, as an example, when they're valuing properties. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the interesting thing that you bring up in the terms of enough risk, I, I, whew, when I'm working with individuals, occasionally they'll say, okay, I want to get started, but what I want to do is I just want to buy one property. <laughs> like, okay, that, that's good. One property is better than zero um, because they but the the thought process is usually I, I'm being safe by buying one property. But yet 
the portfolio becomes safer the more properties that there are in it at any one uh, one particular time, especially right. when those properties are located in the same geographic area. Because the other person is uh, okay, I won't buy one property, but I'll buy I'll buy twenty properties in twenty different marketplaces. And I'm like, oh God, no! Um, these are all things that you know. Are you taking enough risk? And sometimes, and, and it sounds counterintuitive. It's like you you want to make the portfolio safer, buy more, not less. Well, I'll give you an example from from a different world, from the world of stocks, which is that people say that you know d- diversification uh, lowers risk. But do you know that you can you can make a less risky and higher performing portfolio by diversifying toward riskier investments, which is the same thing that you're talking about. If I've got right. one. If I've got one piece of real estate, I'm banking everything on that market. If you're going to have a tenant on that tenant, I'm banking everything on this one deal. Where if I've got five and I have different levers, then I can do, you know, then then I'm not. The rules of diversification can help you take more risk uh, and still be less risky, even yeah. though that sounds like a paradox. Uh, it 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 really isn't. You can go from a portfolio of stocks that's all large cap stock. And if you add small cap international um, yeah, yeah. emerging markets to that, you will take less risk, and yet your upside potential is even greater. It, it, huh. Yes, you know, it, you know what's funny is that I feel like I'm hearing myself talk from a few years ago when I'm listening to you because this these are the same conversations that I that I would have with people at their kitchen table because you know that's where financial planning really happens, um, and. And just helping them to put a portfolio of paper assets together. And so let, let's talk about something for a second. Uh, sure. When it comes to just generating cash flow, what are some of your past, present, favorite strategies using paper assets or using whatever asset base you want to, to make that happen? Well, this is not, by the way, this is not my my strong suit. Sure. I mean, my... But my strong suit on Stacking Benjamins is is low-key surround sound to get people where people like you uh, do an awesome job of teaching people about how things work. <laughs> my, uh, my job on Stacking Benjamins, we don't try to teach anybody anything. Our, our goal is just to, you know, money is this bad subject, right, that nobody right. wants to talk about. Uh, and so my goal is to just get people talking about money, just having a conversation like we're having now because it's so fun, you know. Right. I've got this huge amount of energy right now just from this. So I'll say that you're much better at this than I am. But but owning, doing a great job of valuing a property from where I'm at, from where I sit, is a wonderful way to get great cash flow because owning owning a portfolio of properties my clients that did that uh were getting further ahead than anybody that I know now if you don't want to do that if you don't want to do it you know what the second best thing is is to buy a collection of REITs uh real estate investment uh, trusts now here you've done yeah here you've done Jay the same thing that you're talking about where you want somebody wants you to do everything for them right if, if you want somebody to do everything for you and you don't want to know anything about who those people are. You just want to know that they're <laughs> right? right. You go buy a collection of REITs because those are going to pay nice, big, huge dividends. And you're going to get a diversified collection of properties. And for those people that want no mess, no fuss, th- that's a decent way to go. H- high yield bonds yep. are another way to, to generate cash flow. But the risk with high yield bonds is that you're loaning money to companies that have a bunch of debt. You are Louis the loan shark. Right. <laughs> 
And, and Louie the Loan Shark? <laughs> That's funny. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to have to update my driver's license. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I'm talking about. If you've got high-yield bonds, right. what those are called junk bonds. But, but, you know, they used to be called junk bonds, but now the marketplace has made them nicer, right? These aren't junk bonds. These are high-yield bonds. High-yield, yes. Well, high-yield bonds are the same, same thing. If somebody can borrow money for a very low rate, why wouldn't they do that? You're loaning money to companies that need to pay a high rate, which means their company's in trouble. So you can do that. Peer-to-peer lending is yes. is a brand new, brand new one, which is very interesting. I can't do it in Texas. I live 800 yards into the state of Texas. If I lived across the border, I'd be able to do peer-to-peer lending. Texas says I can't do it. What? Um, yeah, I don't get it. I I don't get it. But I love it. I, I really I really like that. That's yeah. a good cash flow approach. I I don't like, you know, a lot of a lot of salespeople. We'll try. You mentioned this word earlier. A lot of salespeople will sell annuities yeah. as a way to get cash flow. Uh, annuities, yeah. generally speaking, and you know this, Jay, are fee laden beasts. Mm. Uh, an immediate annuity, which is a little different type of annuity than what most people think about, right. you can put money in there and you'll get a guaranteed stream of income. If no matter how you do the math, the insurance company is going to win. But <laughs> you know what that stream of income is going to be. I'm going to put the money in now. I get this pension check that I can't outlive. For somebody who's like a stage two player, having a little bit of money in an annuity, an immediate annuity, where it's a pension, might not be a bad idea. For for a stage three player who's really listening to this show, looking for serious cash flow, I would steer clear of an annuity. Yeah, yeah. Those, man, you're just touching. There's so many things. And that's the thing I love about the concept of cash flow is that it's not... It's not only real estate related. Uh, there are many different ways. That's why what we what I try to do is expose people to the other ways. And if you like those other ways, great. If not, hey, let's do some real estate. Um, and the the point here is. Since 1971, you could argue 74, whatever, we've all had to become better financial planners for ourselves. We had to increase our financial intelligence, our financial IQ, if you will. And these are, I I bet you there's a number of people probably going to get some emails. What was, you know, the list of those things he said and where can I find those types of things? (laughs) And that's fine. But that means that you're engaged. It means you're working to increase your financial IQ because understanding these things is key. Having to take control. As I said earlier, the more responsibility you take, the more rewards there are uh, for doing so. And those are the things that I absolutely love. So I've had, you know, obviously a fun talking to you. And I have a feeling that you and I could talk about money and these concepts for <laughs> a long time. For those individuals who want to find out more about what you are up to, what would you suggest to be the best way for them to do that? Well, I did this, Jay. I put together a page just for your listeners because I, I knew that from my time listening to your show that your listeners are listening to something different than Dave Ramsey's listeners are listening for. <laughs> you know, they're looking for the stage three stuff. And as I mentioned before, Stacking Benjamins has stage one, stage two and stage three stuff on it. So if people go to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash diary, stackingbenjamins.com forward slash diary, I've put together a page which includes a PDF about my three stages philosophy, uh, as it is. And then uh, a few of the articles from our site and some of our podcast episodes, including one with a very handsome man named Jay Massey. That we, <laughs> uh, that, that, so we've got links to all those. So it avoids the stage one and stage two stuff and just gives you links to stage three. Awesome. I know that guy, by the way. Uh, I know that yeah. guy, by the way. 
That's he is good looking, isn't he? <laughs> you know, he's been known to smile a bit. So I, <laughs> I, I like him better when he smiles. I like him better when he smiles. So this is good. <laughs> this is good. Uh, what one last thing would you like to share with those who are looking for, you know, stage one, two, three, or maybe they're just like, oh my God, this is their first episode. What just happened? Uh, you know, what, what's that one last thing you would say to someone who's trying to build that cash flow to their next level? Jay, I'd say this. There's, you know, there's a lot of learning. We talked about a lot of stuff. To some people, this might be jargon. Use my favorite Nike quote, which isn't just do it, by the way. They had another quote that I like better, which I love this quote, feel the fear and do it anyway. It's okay to be afraid. Feel the fear and do it anyway. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you have heard it said. This is exactly what I'm talking about. Feel the fear, do it anyway. You know what it's time to do. It is time for you to move at the speed of instruction. You've been given a number of different things to do. Yes, stackingbenjamins.com forward slash diary. That's probably a good hint. There are a number of books and resources that were recommended in this particular episode. Just because he said, hey, here's something I learned from XYZ book, that doesn't mean you have to wait for him to say, go and get that book. That's called a hint. He's reading it for a reason. I've read it for a reason. You know, we've got the Wealthy Barber series. You got the Lean Startup. You've got so many different choices of books and resources to to begin choosing from there is no time but now a clock so you might as well get started today joe thanks for being here we were glad to have you thanks a lot man i appreciate it jay no problem all right guys i'll talk to you soon until next time thank you for investing your time with jay massey and the cash flow diary When you have a moment, please visit iTunes and leave a positive comment about the show. And go now to our website, CashflowDiary.com, to take advantage of our free business building course, Cashflow Foundation. Gain the knowledge, understanding, and skill that will teach you how to never need a job again. Until next time. Until next time. Until next time.